Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Wisden Cricket Weekly Podcast in association with Betfair. Australia will fly back from England with the Ashes for the first time since 2001. By winning the Old Trafford Test, they will at the very least retain the urn, becoming only the third side to do so away from home this century. I'm Yasrana and today we'll be looking back at what's gone wrong for England and right for Australia, as well as looking ahead to the final test of the summer at the Oval. Helping me do that will be the editor-in-chief of the Wisden Cricket Monthly, Phil Walker. Hey, Hello, Phil. Afternoon, yes. And a man who knows a thing or two about winning Ashes series, both home and away, Betfair ambassador, Graham Swan. Well, hello, yes. Hello, Phil. Hello, mate. Lovely to have you with us, Graham. Lovely to be here. So, Swan, are you surprised that Australia have retained the Ashes with a test to spare? Um, I'm disappointed. I'm not entirely surprised um, because I've watched the games. And, <laughs> and to be honest, if Steve Smith um, had an English passport, um, England would have won the Ashes by now. Pure and simple. He's been the difference between the two teams. Both batting lineups have been, I think, shod is a nice word for him in Test cricket's um, terms. Four Tests, few runs that they've got collectively. The bowlers have been brilliant for both teams. Seamers, Steve Smith has been stellar. There you go. End of podcast. <laughs> can, can you can you explain the Steve Smith phenomenon yeah. any better than anyone else? Yes, I can. Better than everyone else. Go for it in, then. In this room. So Steve, <laughs> Smith, in this room. Steve Smith's genius lies in the fact that he's got an iffy technique, iffy looking technique that's actually very solid. And by shuffling in front of his stumps, he convinces teams to change what the plan that works for every world-class player. Mm. Every world-class player you bowl at, you bowl the top of off and you try and get a bit of movement with the ball. We simply don't do it for long enough with Steve Smith. We change after and about 15 minutes. Well, Kevin. that's right. But what he does, he comes out and because he's got a weight of runs behind him, he is confident enough to try and dominate attacks. And he tries to, if you watch him, he tries to get a big drive away early in his in, is mm-hmm. a pull shot away to get the bowler thinking, right, I've not got much margin for error. Mm-hmm. But some of the best players in the world are the same. Ricky Ponting, exactly the same. Get a big drive away, get a pull, make the bowlers realise they're on the back foot. As a bowler, if you're bowling at anyone, if you're not thinking solely 
six balls, I'm going to land it in, bottom through the gate, do this, whatever. He's winning the battle. What, what? And what Steve Smith does is make people think differently and think, oh, Christ, put them on the back foot and then change their plan because he's got 20 runs quickly. And you go, oh, he, he doesn't miss it. on, And they bowl middle and leg. And then everyone plays into his hands for the next or however long he wants to bat, basically. Why, why do you think that someone who experiences Stuart Broad, for example, isn't keeping it simple? It's not, it's the team plan. Stuart Broad, if you told him to bowl top of off all day, he would. But the team plan, obviously, when they, at Lords, when it was under the lights and was doing everything, he went out to bat. There was a leg gully within two balls. I mean, you don't bowl the top of off and nip it around without three slips and a gully. You know, the, his massive Achilles heel, Steve Smith, is a swinging ball from delivered by a world-class swing bowler, which Jimmy Anderson is. Because if you're just facing a waist swing all day, yeah, it's tricky to bat against. But if you're facing someone of Jimmy's class who can, without any discernible change, bowl a massive in-swinger or a bigger waist swinger, he gets Steve Smith out for fun. So the last Ashes in this series, if you look at the results, over five tests, Steve Smith seem seemingly had a good Ashes series. The three tests that England won, when the ball moved and swung around, he averaged about four and a half. The two games it didn't, he got double hundred and hundred and eighty. It's very simple. If we haven't got world class ring ball like Jimmy, then we're screwed against him at the minute because we tried too differently to uh, funk it up. Can I ask you then about Joffre on that first morning at Old Trafford, um, who yeah. was down on pace, down on on vibe, on attitude a little bit, yeah. and it seemed odd when this is Australia very, were twenty for yeah. two. It's very simple to explain, I think. Joffre Archer is a world class strike bowler. One of the most exciting things to happen to English cricket for a long time. Straight away, within two test matches of his career, he's been treated like an England seamer of the past. He's bowled 24 overs a day, 25 overs a day. He should be used, like Mitchell Johnson was at the back end of his career. Australia used to bowl him like 9, 10 overs a day. Michael Clarke would bring him on. If in two overs he didn't have a wicket, take him off. The other seamers have bowled the majority of overs. Your spinner has to bowl more overs if you're doing that. Mm -hmm. Joffre could be 95 miles an hour for the next 10 years. But he's bowled that many overs. He bowled too many at Lords when they were trying to push for that victory. And that has he's, a knock-on effect. He is knackered. Trust me. The, these games come so closely yeah. together and they're so demanding, mentally and physically. If he still had the verve and vigour on that morning at Old Trafford that he did in that Lords gloom, I'd have been shocked. But he took he took six for forty five bowling fast medium essentially in the in the second test third test match rather, um, so it seemed that he, he he can be very effective not bowling ninety five miles per hour. Yeah, but what, what do you want when you've got someone who can be a hundred miles an hour day mm. in day out? Why would you want him to bowl fast medium? He got six for that day. He didn't get six for Old Trafford when he did. Mm. Why would you thwart? Why would you bat Joe Root at three when he can get millions of runs at four? Mm. Why would you bat? Johnny, Johnny Bairstow and Joss out of position when they could swap and be doubly as effective. There's Muddled been, thinking, I think. Muddled right. Thinking. There's been a lot of those kinds of terms, especially on Twitter this morning, as we come to expect anyway on that sort of platform. But there have been a lot of people saying that it's been muddled thinking, bad planning, administrators have got to look at themselves. Um, and blame, 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 yeah, blame. Yeah, yeah. And there is always that knee-jerk yeah. element to it. How much sympathy have you got for that kind of, kind of position that people have taken up? I I, I'm not... I don't think you should blame individuals whatsoever. This whole thing about Joe's not a good captain, so get rid of Joe. Joe isn't a good captain because England have lost this Ashes. Joe's not a natural captain. Joe was brilliant when he came in the team as a young cheeky whippersnapper, like a, a little thingy of a brother who mm -hmm. messed around, like practical jokes, laughing and joking, having quips. And he took that into his batting and he enjoyed his batting. He loved cricket. 
by being captain, and I said this at the time. I remember you saying this will blunt Joe because he has to be grown up and responsible, and he is. You see him now, and he speaks very well, and he's, the tone of his voice has even dropped. He's even trying to be authoritative. That's not him, mm-hmm. and so that has thwarted his output. Even though the, at the time his figures stayed similar for a while, I bet they're not now. No, he's, and then he's dropped twelve per innings, and then this, to this joke of batting him at three. And I think it is a joke. What? Because, why, why do you because think? Australia said their best player bats three, and we didn't have a number three. Joe Root's our best player. Put him at three. If Lionel Messi is playing in your football team, you don't play him at centre back. You play him at number ten because he's the best player in the world at that position, and he'll score goals. If he's a centre half, a Dimitri uh, Mitrovic, sorry, will rise above him and nod at him. It's just that's so, so what is, I think. Is it, there a it profound was, difference between three and four then? I don't think it's as big as it used to be because no opening batsman seems to bat past no, four overs sure. these days. Jason Roy in the first over. But, but, but he's not a number three. It's, it, can be, it might be a mental thing. It might be anything. He's a number four who churned, he used to churn out runs at number four, was happy at four. Mm-hmm. But this clamour for him to bat three and the external pressure from the press, from the selectors, from everyone. And when he was made three at the start of this series, the very fact that England will be talking to Joe Rude to see if he wants to bat three is on a... And a rolling headline on Sky Sports. Yeah, it means that it's, he didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. It's and this statement of intent by he's going to bat three. Yeah, was that like a, a bravado thing, like saying the Aussies we're not scared, Joe bat three? If I was an Australian, I'd have been loving that. You had a whiff of it. Yeah, absolutely sure. brilliant. Staying, staying on 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 route for a, for a second. You've you said you've long not been an advocate for him being captain. Not many captains survive two Ashes defeats as skipper. Would you? keep him as captain and uh, if not who would you replace him with I certainly wouldn't sack him because England have lost two Ashes England have lost this Ashes but that's not going to achieve anything whatsoever yeah I'd, I'd get a, a time machine and go back and convince him I'd, and when I say he shouldn't be captain I'd love Joe he's a brilliant player and I'd love spending time and playing and, and everything that comes applaud it's coming with it and I'm not saying he didn't deserve to be made captain he was our best player we're English we make our best player captain that's how we do it. It very seldom turns out well. If you think it like the the biggest names who've been made captain, both of them Flintoff, Peterson, all absolute flops as skippers. And because it took away from their natural game. In which case, so Stokes as an alternative would be not even yeah, considered for a second. I heard that the day after that match at Henley. Make him captain. 150. Yeah. He took a lot of balls to get in. He's okay. sensible. No, so I agree. So yeah. you strike Stokes off before you even begin the conversation. Yeah. So taking it down the line and maybe viable alternatives. Indeed, yeah. yeah. Mutual consent. Joe shakes hands with the the bosses yeah. and they go their separate ways. And Joe yeah. goes back to being our best player. Who's next? Well, that's a that's a tricky question. But it did, that at the time I remember saying this: just because he's like the best bad fit. Mm-hmm doesn't make him the ideal candidate because sure. of what it would do to the overall his overall output which basically is what makes England tick mm-hmm. Australia have proven in this series that if one player a world class player has a stellar series he can win the he's won the Ashes single handedly with the bat mm-hmm. for Australia their bowlers have been brilliant both bowling teams have sort of negated the other the seamers he has been the standout batsman and it's meant that Australia have always been in dominant positions I've, I've, that simple. I've got a captaincy suggestion, but you yeah. know far better than me on this man's suitability. So I think Stuart Broad should be 
a temporary captain. So hear me out here. For the no, reasons, a thousand percent. I'm with you. So for the reasons that you said, I don't think we should be captain. For the reason you said, I don't think Stoke should be captain. I don't think Butler should be captain when his position in the team isn't guaranteed. He's also not played that much Red Bull cricket as well, yeah. so he doesn't have the experience that a Test captain should have of playing Red Bull cricket. Give it Stuart Broad. Stuart Broad has been bowling better this summer than he has been for years for England. Australia have just won an away Ashes series with essentially a caretaker captain. Um, do you think? Do you think you could Broad... argue that they didn't have a caretaker? No, Steve Smith did that himself. <laughs> but do you, do you think you know him better than most people? Do you think Broad could do it? I think Broad would have been a great job, a great man for for the interim at the time that Joe was made. I don't think long term it's ideal because. It, it doesn't just, have to be long term. No, it doesn't have to be. But I, I think it would be far easier to say, right, this test team needs to find an identity, needs to find an ethos. Like the one-day team did. Four years ago, the one-day team were slumped, had absolute chumps and slumps of the world because we were useless. We played an old-fashioned game with players who just weren't ideal for one-day cricket. Straussy drew a line under that. Owen Morgan was given carte blanche to do what he wanted to get this team the best team in the world. They developed an identity, ultra-aggressive, whatever you say, with the right players playing, and they're world champions. This test team doesn't have anything like as clear way of playing the game. So it'd be very easy if you said, right, we're going to pick a captain and say, this is how we want to play. If it means getting a Mike Brearley in, so not a world-class player who's brilliant captain saying, what would you do here? We'll pick six most boring obstinate batsman in the world and we're going to play an old-fashioned game and our bowlers or are we going to if we pick one day players for our team if we get caught up in the emotion and pick Jason Roy to play how are we going to get the best out of him what would be the best player bat him at five and I would say bat him at five and say go out there and be ultra aggressive mm -hmm. and I say to Josh Butler you were picked in this team they said at the time and they picked him we want him to bring his one day genius and turn test matches he's never done that he can't do that at five if he's at seven and Shepherd entails, he could get 100 off 50 balls rather than the other way around. So if you come up with a clear ethos and way of playing the game, then I think a, a captain will emerge from that rather than say, well, let's get Broadie to do it for a couple of years because um, there's no viable alternative, basically. He's the, Broadie would be the best of a bad choice, but I think Broadie would have been a very good test captain. Mm. But England won't do it because he's a bowler. If, if we're talking then about the search for, a new, for an identity in this test team that can mirror the identity that's built up in the one day side then are we moving back to that question again about the coach and whether we need to split this role right I'd, I'd, I'd be it wouldn't bother me whatsoever if I had two coaches because one day cricket and test cricket are chalk and cheese they really are yeah, increasingly and, so. and it's increasingly so and, you, and you're seeing that now because test players don't tend to play one day cricket now you get a lot of very high scores in one day games and the batters and when it does a bit in one day cricket teams get rolled for next to nothing mm -hmm. but it's very easy in a one day game you don't very often get wickets that do everything with a kookaburra ball mm -hmm. when one day players because of stellar World Cups against the white ball and Jason Roy is a world class opening batsman against the white ball a kookaburra that does nothing mm. He's well, I loved his World Cup he was picked on the sort of the euphoria, euphoria that was sweeping the nation, thinking, well, why didn't he do that against a red ball? People who know cricket, people who play cricket, would tell you why not. Mm -hmm. People who've opened the batting would mm -hmm. go, he's not going to do well. And I, I, I really feel sorry for Jason Roy because 
I think he's a great lad and a brilliant player. Okay. He was asked to do a job that he's just his technique and his whole upbringing in cricket is not designed for. Yeah, so he was he was on the, the the rough end of a bit of hubris probably by the selectors, as you say, getting carried away in the euphoria yeah. of the World Cup. So with Jason Roy, irrespective of what happens here at the Oval in the next few days, bearing in mind that they go and play. Uh, Abroad, I think they play eight test matches over, maybe seven, maybe eight test matches over the winter against a Kookaburra ball. Yeah. Conversely, he's got more chance of getting, getting runs away from home than he has yeah. in England. So do you stick with him and try and develop that test side of his game to come back next summer as potentially a more rounded player? Or do we say the this, this disciplines are so vastly different that we just have to shake hands on this experiment? I'll tell you what, if he was ever asked to open the batting again, I'd say never play, <laughs> never play, never put the poor bloke in that opportunity where he yeah, has to do it again. Because yeah. what's annoying me about the backlash at the minute is people start questioning Jason Moore as a bloke and all that. And start, you but still you get, get that nonsense. Stuff, you, but constant. you forget that a month ago he was lauded as you know mm-hmm. the saviour of one day cricket. And he was brilliant. The one day game, he didn't play for England. We lost. When he came back, rediscovered vigour. If he's going to be in the test team and going to play against a Kookaburra ball, he is... A blatant number five to me. Joe Root is a four. Sort your top order, whoever. We'll come to that in a minute. <laughs> if, 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 if you're going to play him and you're going to say, you know, go out and, and blitz the ball, I'd say don't bat like a, you think a test player should. Go out there and blitz the thing. Yep. Smash so, bowls, put them on the back foot. Get 160 balls. We won. Yeah. I mean, so I was going to ask, so England haven't been able to replace Andrew Strauss for seven years. It took England six summers to even field a specialist spinner in a home test after you retired. England's only automatic pick in the pace department is uh, under the age of 30 is a guy developed a million miles away from the England pathway system. You can see where I'm getting at. England simply aren't producing and haven't for a while top-level test cricketers. So that's going to force selectors to to do things that are a little bit out of the box, box like opening with... Yeah, right. it is. But when it was so obvious to everyone in cricket that that was a massive risk... A massive risk to do. Yeah, but, but, but why does it? It doesn't force the selectors to do that. The selectors know the game better, or supposed to know the game better than we do. If the county system isn't producing batsmen capable of Test cricket, why aren't the why isn't there a forum being held about that? Why aren't the county coaches held in a room? So what are you doing? You all got level four. Get batsmen. Why aren't the best players we've ever had in why aren't Cookie and going around the country? And, Forming a new alliance of test batsmen. So why, if it's why, important. Why do you why do you think that we're not producing those players? Because though? county cricket is is softer than it was. There's this. I, I cannot understand this incredibly stupid argument going around at the minute that it's because we only play at the start and the end of the season. Why we haven't got a good batsman? Jesus Christ! That's when you need to be a good batsman. John Carr used to have a thousand runs by the end of May every year. Mm-hmm. We used to, you know, people. Wayne Larkins used to get hundred every first game of the season. Batsman now, if they take well, it's the start of the season, it's doing a bit, so I'll average 20. I'll, I'll catch up in the middle of the season. I don't want players like that. I don't want people to get runs when it's easy. Test cricket's not easy against these bowlers. I want them to clean up in April. Who's doing that county cricket? Let's, let's bring Ollie Pope into the equation, right? We were talking before the show. Cook was 21 when he came into the yeah. side. Joe was 21, maybe 22, yeah. but around that age. Ian Bell, again, 21-year-old, made his yeah. career as a test player, yeah. learnt the game as a yeah. test player, right? Ollie Pope averages 54. Uh, no, more than that now, I, in I fact, because he, he made a big 100 here last, last week. He's clearly the best young player in the country, uh, certainly statistically. Yeah. So why isn't he going to be playing at the uh, other next week? I, I couldn't answer that. It's stupid that he's not. Yeah, I, I think those top three places, Rory Burns has done well, but he hasn't, he hasn't been brilliant because he's not 
You know, every game, mm-hmm. he doesn't look in the first over like this kid's not going to get out. But I'll, I'll, I'll take my hat off to him. He's done. He's done well in this Ashes. So to average forty he, against that attack, take your hat off to him. No. Yeah, but it should be par for the course to average forty against that attack. He's not had a start. He, that should be an average Ashes for him. And if he, I think he'll improve. I think he'll go on to be a very good opening bat. I've not, I've not got, I've not got too many worries about him. Okay, it's two and three, mm. those spots. Mm. Joe can't get Joe out of three, please, mm-hmm. for goodness sake, for for our benefit and his benefit. I, I need to be convinced that there's a Jonathan Trot coming up. Like you say, Ian Bell. Ian Bell at 15 years old. Everyone who's seen him and everyone at Warwickshire knew he was going to play Test cricket for England. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like technique wise, and if People with techniques that don't work against a red ball are coming through the system just because, oh, well, he'll be a one-day player. And counties aren't picking up on it. it what are the counties doing? I think, knowing Straussy, I mean, what he did with one-day cricket after 2015, he said, right, our focus is winning that World Cup. And I think the Aussies said, conversely, our focus is winning this, ash- mm. this Ashes. Mm. We need to focus. I'd be more than happy to split the two because they're two different games and say we need to get quality top class batsman maybe it's just because at the minute we're just unlucky with the sort of circular motion of players I mean when I played we were incredibly lucky to have a top six of Cook Strauss um, Trot Peterson Bell Collingwood Pryor Jesus yeah. Christ that's a brilliant seven yeah I was going to ask you about that funnily enough was that a reflection of a healthy structural game or was that a moment in time um, it's a nod to the South African school system. <laughs> no, see, it's, it's, it, a lot of it's right place, right? So I mean, look at the Aussie batting lines when like, Stuart Law couldn't get a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and look at the Aussie top six now. And mm. maybe it's uh, because of the times you're living in the one day um, techniques have crept in. Mike Cussey couldn't get a game for 10 years. Mm, Debut so, at 30. Yeah. Um, maybe it's just a worldwide phenomenon that one day, there's so much focus on T20 and making a quick, fast buck that. People aren't putting the hours in. If I was a young English batsman now, I'd be seeing a massive gaping opportunity. Think, right, that's me. Yep. yep. Play Test cricket for ten years, you'll be as rich as you are if you play three years of IPL. You mm-hmm. don't have to be a um, chance of the exchequer to work that out. Actually, you probably would be. <laughs> um, Who's doing it today? <laughs> on on the England coach role, Trevor Bayliss is leaving in the Ashes. Uh, who who would you like to see in the in the main role? Um, I honestly don't know. I, I think someone who'd go in and, and just be very clear about what's the way to move forward. So whoever that is, whoever um, stands out. Um, I know people are touting Alex Stewart too. I think Stewie would be brilliant. It'd be a very clear way of thinking. It'd be a, um, you know, a, 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 a role that'd be steeped in England, if that makes sense. Stewie mm-hmm. is English cricket, isn't he? So he'd know, he knows England cricket. But He'd be a popular choice as well amongst the rank and fire, wouldn't he, yeah. Stewie? And he obviously guarantees authority and he's got a medal or two behind him as well yeah. as a coach. He's also, he's a belt and braces kind of coach. I know his, yeah. his official role is director of cricket or whatever, but he is out there working track with the players. Coach, he? He's a tracksuit yeah. coach, yeah. But he, he, I think if he came forward and said, it was asked to do it and said, I think this is what we should do. And it was a clear, concise, and these are the players to fill the role. Then, yeah, whoever did that, I mean, personally, I'd love Stewie to do it because I love Stewie. He's a great bloke. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there was a, a better candidate, I wouldn't care if he was English, Australian, Chinese, Japanese, wherever. If he was somewhere in the world right. who knew how to do it, who knew the best thing for this team and formed an identity or went in with a firm intention of forming a clear identity for the team, um, 
and let him do it. And what about inside the dressing room? Inside the, the England dressing room, if you're being coached, I mean, I guess in, in your case, you know, there, there were two foreign coaches around the time that you were involved. One you got on with slightly better than the other, arguably. <laughs> um, does it matter at all? Because I know Ashley Giles said at the start of the, the summer, ideally he would be an English coach. Um, I think it's ideally would be an English coach because you'd want an English system to bring through a coach. Ideally, you'd have 11 players born and raised in English cricket and you wouldn't have to get people who moved over from Barbados, from South Africa, from Australia, whatever. Um, yeah, because you, you want to feel like you're pure in a way. And, you know, and a reflection, a reflection. Of the system. But yeah. honestly, when you're playing the game, I never stopped and thought, it's a good job. I, I, I can't believe Jonathan Chop's in the team. <laughs> yeah, talking like this. Yeah, you can't even... I mean, you don't. If you're winning, if you're playing the game and winning, and you've got brilliant world class players to pick from, you pick them, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and and that's it. So I don't care if the coach is, you know, black and blue with red spots. Yeah. So I go, going backwards a little bit, uh, you've mentioned Strauss quite a few times on yeah. the show already. A, what made him such a good captain, and B, what difference does it make as a player having a captain that you really look up to um, and respect? Well, I do often speak, and my jokey response is, you should always have the most intelligent bloke in the room, um, and that's Straussy. Because <laughs> even subconsciously, if you don't agree with him, you go, "Yeah, he's probably right there." Um, <laughs> and and, and Strauss was just a, a brilliant. He was born. He's a born lead. You listen to him talk. He doesn't um and uh. He just he's very clear and concise. And he was just born to lead. Is yeah. oratory a key part of this? Yeah, then? it is. And it's in a change room. It's having the authority to stand up in front of your peers because you're not ten years old like in a club team. You're not yeah. the bloke who's done the tees the longest. Or, yeah. Um, Stand up in front of your peers, tell them what you're going to do, and everyone in the room just accepts it. And, and I used to, I mean, sometimes Strauss would talk to me and I'd go, that's, that's wrong, in, the, in my head. Mm -hmm. But I think, who am I to argue sort of thing. Right. Um, but, he, but he also made me always feel that I was in complete control with the ball. I was, he gave me my, mm -hmm. um, my, my field to set, that was it. So, so he had he, authority, but he gave you he liberty had, he had to, authority to express yourself and, as well. And he's a very likable bloke. And he's just, and we were winning as yeah, well. And when you're cute. winning, I mean, <laughs> you could have a chicken captain. You clock in from second slip. If you're winning, you'd think he was the greatest captain in the world. Can I give you three three names who were in the mix uh, according to the bookies for Bayliss's replacement? Stephen Fleming, Gary Kirsten, Mickey Arthur. Give me your thoughts on those three. Mickey Arthur's a genius, right? And I'll tell you why. The South Africans, when the whole KP Texgate and and all that. That was masterminded by him. I'm, sh I'm convinced of it. The charm offensive, those boys went Allegedly. on toward, towards Kev that summer that he yep. fall, fell for <laughs> hook, line and sinker. I, th I, I like to think that like, that he's a bit of a Machiavellian right. genius. He sat there and thought he knew how to split us down the middle and it worked. Right. So Mickey, I'm, I like I'm, Mickey, if you're listening, I reckon that was, you were behind that. You were the... You're the Doctor No he's, sort of thing. He's got great facial expressions as well. No, he's, he's, a, he's a brilliant He's opposite bloke. of ba Bayless. He's a lovely bloke. Um, Fleming, I love Steve Fleming. He's my captain at mm. Notts. He's the best captain I've ever played under. Very similar to Strauss in that way. He had ultimate respect. And I think he got the most out of uh, a New Zealand team. New Zealand now have got a lot of good players. They didn't have that many good players when Fleming yeah. was in charge and he got loads out of them. And he's um, just one of the most respected men in world cricket. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Kirsten? Gary Kirsten. I don't know... Gary that well but he's, a, he's got a great track record yeah, and he was a brilliant player yeah. um, if one of them came in I think maybe an outside coach would be the bookies favourite because they think he will come in with a 
new ethos say right this is what we're doing mm -hmm. whereas someone from England would be um, tarnished with the old way of thinking but I don't think it matters if, if you're English and you're tarnished if you've got a clear way mm -hmm. get everyone to submit blue papers blueprints mm -hmm. let's see who's got the best one go <laughs> there's a pen we've talked a lot about captaincy on this show I wasn't envisaging that um, I want to talk a little bit about Tim Payne if you look back at the last Australian captains to win or retain the Ashes in England it's Chapel, Border, Border, Taylor, War, Tim Payne. His name kind of sticks out a little bit. It how does, much, how because much it's his first one he's won. I don't understand the sort of antipathy towards Tim Payne. Yes, he's there got the sniffiness towards yeah, him, isn't there? Yeah. They're, they're, he's captain because Steve Smith cocked up. <laughs> but Steve Smith bore the brunt of some lesser intelligent players really messing up. And rightly so, he should have suffered for it. He is captain that team, and you can tell he's captain that team. Tim Payne has done a good job, I think. Yep. And I think at the time when he got the, took the job, he was very humble, very grown up, and and just, you know, has moved the team forward. So, yeah, this there is a sniffiness towards him, and I don't like it, if mm -hmm. I'm honest. I don't get it. And the very fact that, yeah, what you said there, says his name stands out. For me, he's an Australian captain who's won the Ashes. Yes, it's because Steve Smith scored gazillion runs, and he's got a world-class bowling attack. Yeah. But he still won the Ashes, so get off his case, everyone. Yeah, yes. More positively, <laughs> Pat, Pat Cummins and Josh Hazelwood have been absolutely incredible. Yeah. Cummins especially. He surprised me. I thought he'd be a bit of a one-track pony, cookable ball, bang it in. He's a brilliant bowler. I mean, he gets his wickets in the same way as he does in Australia. He still picks it, picks mm. it short, back of the length. He he's, doesn't a he's a very good bowler. And, and Hazelwood, I knew he was, so... He's not surprised me. I still can't believe that Hazelwood didn't play the first Test match after being rested for the World Cup. Jordan well. Joffre, of yeah. course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Could I just ask you about Leach? Your impressions yes. of him? I like Jack Leach. Um, he's not Shane Warne. He's not. He's not going to necessarily win Test matches in flatter conditions. But if you give him a turning pitch on the last day, he'll win you a Test match. I'm sure of it. Okay. He does it for Somerset, and okay. we're not blessed with you know. So, so we're looking at a kind of executive Ashley Giles. Yeah, maybe yeah. rather than a poor man's grave um, but he, he, I, I think he's taken to test cricket well he's, yeah. look the spinners haven't had a massive ashes because it's been a seam bowl or something it's, and we're looking out at the oval now there's puddles everywhere it's, it's going to be a seam as last test as well mm -hmm. the one day of this test match a spinner was given the opportunity to win a test Nathan Lyon take your hat off to him bowled really well yep. I don't think he's bowled well in the rest of the ashes if I'm, if I'm perfectly no, honest for his standards I don't think Jack's bowled badly at all but he's always bowled at times when it's still seeming swinging about and not particularly hard to bat against spin bowling. So mm. I think he's a very good option moving forward. And I like I like the way he plays his cricket would, as well. Would you be tempted to bring... Make captain. <laughs> bring bring, bring Moeen back in the side just because of the balance he also brings. He's, Moeen's in great... Uh, he's, he's, he's seems to have found his mojo back at Worcester. Moeen brings you brilliant balance to a team when he believes in himself. And when he doesn't, he shakes the whole team off balance. I'd love Moeen Ali to actually know how good he is because he never has. He never, he's never believed in himself. His first summer bowling spin for England against India and he got 20-odd wickets. It was brilliant. And then all the papers said it will be trickier next year and he believed it. He thought it'd be harder because people would work him out and watch videos. The balls you get wickets with in your first year of test cricket, you'll get wickets with in your 10th year of test mm. cricket. If you keep bowling them, keep believing. But, I mean, there's obviously... Uh, a, a self-confidence issue because he has had to go back to county cricket and he is scoring runs um, and he, he needed to be the second spinner to perform and all that. Um, 
that's I'm sorry, that's an area that you can't carry in a team. In a successful team, you can't pander to someone to make it easier for them. It's a tough game and he's more than good enough to do it. Yeah. And he's done it. Just slight just as an aside as well, English spinners under the surface. Matt Parkinson's played one first class game this year and taken ten wickets. Now I assume I assume he'll be playing the last three for Lancashire. <laughs> but when you've got a bowler like that who rips it, and I remember you saying to me about Moeen two or three years ago, the difference with him is he rips it. He's yeah. kind of untamed. He's not coached. Which is why he was my best option to yeah. yeah. So Parkinson falls into that kind of category to me. He's obviously already a gun T twenty player and a fifty over cricketer, but now he's in his one four-day game this year, he's already taken ten for. We have to start looking at these players, right? Yeah, but he should already be on a radar. For, you know, the second you play second-team cricket at a county, you've gone up through England schools, with whatever. The second you're in the professional system, the coaches used to talk. I don't know if they still do, if it's still as, as widespread. I, I played one of my first ever second-team games against Essex, and Alan Butcher... Um, Butch. But Alan Butcher was the Legend. was the player manager for Essex, yeah. and then the next week we played someone, and their coach came straight to me. I didn't even know who this coach was, and said, um, "I was talking to Butcher on the phone, and he says you're going to play for England. Mm-hmm. Better not do that against us this week." Sort of ha ha, and walked off. And I thought I didn't even know Alan Butcher knew who I was last yeah. week. And so I don't know that. Yeah, so the whole cricket should know. And these names coming up, um, you shouldn't get carried away. You got ten in one game. I mean, he might bob beautifully, but it might not. That would sure. be a lot of pressure to stick sure. him. Put him in the last test. But, but it is interesting that he's already their star bowler yeah. and has been for two or three years now in, in pyjama cricket. Yeah. And he's managed four days of first-class cricket this yeah. year. So. And, and his the first fact he spins it a lot yeah. is a great starting point yeah. for me. And his first-class record, aside from that one game, is also very good. He yeah. averages 25 or something in his first-class career. I spend me. <laughs> so look, reasons to be cheerful. That's all I'm saying. There are, there are lots of reasons to be cheerful. We're not far away from a very good test team. We're mm. muddled. People need to bat in the right spot, believe in themselves, and give Stuart Broad and Jeff Archer a medal. Here, here. Um, wait, wait. Back to four. On, on spin bowling, when when you came through, you were at North Ants. Monty came through at a similar time. Jason Brown was there as well. What was it about North Ants that produced spinners? Doctors pick, doctor pitches, basically. Our groundsman used to wear size 14 boots at Kirtley Ambrose left <laughs> while he mowed the pitch. <laughs> I wish I was joking. It got to the point where I could run up, turn around and throw it over my shoulder and get a wicket at Northampton. But, um, but no, you and Monty it was, it played... Was, no, it was... Ve- I played with Monty two or three times, not a lot at, at Northampton. Those wickets, we had a lot of good spin bowls. A guy called Michael Davis for that, who was possibly the best of the four of us, chucked it. Um, <laughs> he's one of my best mates. All right, Dickie. Um, he used to wear long sleeve shirts all the time. I mean, turned Classic. it square. Yeah. Because yeah. of the kink in his elbow. He bowled at the right <laughs> time. But he used to have to bowl a long sleeve shirt and everything. But he got the yips and then went to Essex and Charlie Charles got him with a straight arm and he was never the same bowler again. But we played on wickets that ragged square and they were rock hard as well. Um, and, and we Does that, that help you? Two, no, two, no, two, no, people no, from, two players from a small county both playing lots for England. That's just a coincidence, you think? And nothing to do with the pitches? Um, no, no. I mean, you, we played for We were signed as spinners because mm. they wanted to Bowl spinners. Um, I think we got lucky, or England got lucky for a while because we weren't coached. So we didn't bowl spin how you taught to bowl spin in a book, in the MCC book, or by a coach growing up, which is front two knuckles, opening the doorknob. It was nonsense. I was a fairly stroppy child, I'll call myself. It's a nice no. way of putting it. I believed that that was completely wrong because I couldn't turn the ball like that. And I watched Bish and Betty bowl. Yeah. 
and he used to bite, turn it off the other knuckle and then Tim May came and he ripped his other knuckle so I tried off that and I could turn the ball twice as much as anyone else and so I decided no coach knew what they were talking about when I was about eight but I always went down and I had a lot of self-belief and I believed in myself and it's harder to master control when you spin it more mm-hmm. and so I had to go through a period of when you grow different times and have growth spurts that other guys were being played ahead of me because their control was better, but I could always turn the ball more. So on my day, I'd rip through teams, and on other days, I'd be a shower. But I always believed, and, and I kept doing it, so it became second nature. Monty was in a similar part. I just don't think he understood when people tried to coach him <laughs> any other way. He could just, but he just could bowl. Yeah. He could run up and bowl the perfect off spinner, or left arm spinner. Mm-hmm. Like when Dunga Fletcher tried to force him to bowl an arm ball, he was useless for a while. <laughs> Bless him. But he could just bowl. And I think that's more the reason we both play at the same time. Um, we're very we were undercoached. And that 2012 series, India, what a, mm. what a time that was. That's, were you, were you one end in the other? That was yeah. a stunner, wasn't it? I was I think, out there for two of those, the middle two that we won. I think just the fact that no one expected us to win out there. Yeah. And after the first test, when Sewag got 100 by lunch on day one, he, <laughs> he hit Brez back over his head for six, <laughs> about an hour before lunch on day one. And... Um, I remember Cookie saying, Brez, pull your finger out, mate. Bowl as quick as you can. He went, <laughs> I am. <laughs> like, yeah, honestly, Sayrag was making everyone look 30 miles an hour. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And after that test, we still won the series. Well, Cook had a Steve Smith winter, didn't he? Basically, mm. unstoppable. And you and Monty as well. Yeah. Good days. It did help when, when you got Sachin Dendulkar playing and he's in Monty's pocket. That helps. <laughs> really does. Um, how, how do you see things going in the final test? Particularly, it's a similar test for the Aussies as Sydney in 2011 was for you. What was what were those days like after you'd retained the Ashes after Melbourne before the Sydney test? I, I remember being quite nervous as a whole group before the last test because we didn't want to draw the series. We deserved to win that series outright and it had been a massive blunting butter knife if we'd, it'd been too old. So we said, no, I was more nervous for that test than the Melbourne one. Really? And the Aussies will feel that this week. They they, they want to win and that makes them favourites in my eyes. So it's the most alive of the dead rubbers you can get yeah. in a game like yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. And don't forget, there are World Test Championship points on Absolutely. the line. Whoa. There are 24 of them as well. <laughs> <laughs> or 60 if you play a two test yeah. series. Yeah. Let's not even bring that. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Bangladesh versus New Zealand uh, World Test Championship final in two years time. <laughs> Did you hear about Afghanistan? Oh well, yeah. No, they top of the tree. No. They probably are. Uh, Do they beat Bangladesh? They beat Bangladesh. Yeah. Get in the Afghans. Chittagong. Sensational wow. performance. Yeah. I tell you what, you have to be a amazing team to win in Chittagong. This is it. Not it's many hard, do. It's hard to go there and take 10 wickets. It was, it was a really, Talk us through it, yes. <laughs> it was a really good finish. So they got into the last day. Bangladesh um, was six down, 250 to win. But then but then it rained all day. Yeah. And then they only had 18 overs to take the last four wickets. And, and they did with uh, three and a half overs to spare. Rashid Khan took 11 wickets and scored a 50 on his I'll tell you what they AD. did. During that day... They watch Ben Stokes' innings and they believe <laughs> yeah. anything is possible. The next generation of test cricketers, honestly, they'll be chasing 800 to win test matches <laughs> at a canter and they'll all have ginger hair and tattoos. Um, I think that might be our first proper mention of Stokes all day as well. That's yeah, a bad that's got to be a record. We, we've, we've, got, we've got to finish, obviously, with Thailand. Um, naturally. Naturally. Congrats uh, to Thailand for qualifying for their first ever World Cup, the 10-team World Cup, no less. They will play in next year's Women's T20 World Cup in Australia. Swanee's nodding sagely. Yeah. That is a happy ending to the show. Yeah, it is. Well, well, cheers, guys. This has been the Wisdom Cricket Weekly Podcast cheers, in association Jack. with Thank Betfair. You. Thanks for listening, folks. And if you haven't already, subscribe and tell your friends.
Sports Social Podcast Network.